Namaskar. Agnipat. What is going on in India? One would think that the whole country is burning when in effect what is happening is some railway stations are being set on fire by a group of disgruntled elements egged on by political parties. One of the uh, associations that has been identified thus far is the AISA, All India Students Association. It's a left-wing students body and it appears to be uh, from CPI. There is a group in CPI called um, CPI Liberation and that's the one that uh, appears to be the political uh, body that controls this AISA. This is one of the uh, different uh, ways in which the protests are happening. But I want to tell our viewers that anytime politicians egg the students to go and protest for them, it is usually, in fact, I won't say usually, it's always the students that lose out. I'm going to show you some examples of what happened in the past that will buttress my point. But before we go into that, first of all, let's try and understand how this government always manages to not communicate and thereby loses the plot. This has happened in many cases in the past, including demonetization, farmers' laws, everything. These are all simple things that should be done. They could have had a debate in channel saying that, look, two years we have not recruited anybody for the army, but there is also a cash flow crunch. We would like to try and look at this thing slightly differently. You could have mentioned that France has a compulsory conscription of 12 months for every citizen. Israel has 30 months and India is looking at voluntary, but it is four years. It would have sounded so much better. One year, two and a half years and four years. And that too, it is voluntary. I mean, people would be lapping it up and say, see, you have to, uh, you know, uh, you have to awaken the patriotism in people. And if it had presented it in this way, I mean, I saw this thing from a BJP spokesperson, by the way. One wonders why he wasn't doing this two, three months ago, because it was known for two years that there has been no recruitments towards the army. There are two lakh vacancies. All they were trying to do was just fill 40,000 of those. And even that 40,000, they had to relax the upper limit from 21 to 23 now. I mean, but the AISA students, judging by the looks of the people there, they all look 30 plus. So it's a moot point whether you know somebody would want to be a student even into their 30s that's what the communist left wings do anyway that's up to them what they want to do i've seen people who are in the, well into their late 30s when i was a student half their age still studying uh, you know getting one degree after the other never leaving the campus always being at the forefront of the wrong things such as agitations anyway let's take a look back at the various things that have happened in india and I can tell you every time the one that gets hurt is the student. Here we go. This is the first one. Now, will the government quell this? BJP has a pretty bad record uh, ever since the CAA got passed. They are yet to implement that. Then there is the Shaheen Bagh agitation. They didn't do anything there. Then it was followed by Delhi riots. Because you're emboldening people when you're not acting properly as a law and order body. And this Delhi comes under Amit Shah, so I hold him responsible. Even the farmers' protest that took place just outside Delhi, it could have been uh, controlled on day one. They didn't do that. Evidently, I'm hearing some whisperings now that Amit Shah did want to do it, but he was prevented from doing so. There was only one man above him, so we know who did that. Anyway, that is a point for a later date. But now, again, the same thing is happening. 
Is it because Rahul Gandhi is being interrogated by ED? There's a good chance that the entire AJL properties could be confiscated and that runs into 2,000 to 5,000 crores. The real value will be only known when these are auctioned. But if they attach them and auction them, then we will know the real value of all the properties that the AJL had, which, you know, of course, young Indian uh, inherited by just paying a token 50 lakh. Even that was the, not their own money. You know all that story. Slow. Now, let us take a trip down memory lane. What happened? 1969. You know, we all think that it was K. Chandrasekhar Rao or KCR as he is called who got independence or separate Telangana state. No. It was in 1969 that Dr. Murray Chanaradi, he started the first separate Telangana movement. In fact, it was very successful. The year 69 was uh, the academic year of 1969 was completely lost for the students. Those students who are doing engineering, medicine or any undergrad degree, they had to repeat it one year. One year, the whole city came to a standstill. Kasu Brahmananda Reddy was the chief minister and Mari Chana Reddy, I'm told by a neighbor, he had a house in Tarnaka at that time. And he used to encourage students to go and break all the tube lights that used to be there on the street. You know how they, you have 10 feet, 15 feet lamp pole, and then there'll be a tube light there. What they, he would do is he would ask people to show a broken tube light. And for every broken tube light that they came and produced in front of him, he would give that student 15 rupees. This is how they really ruined uh, Hyderabad. Of course, Indira Gandhi was the prime minister. She wasn't going to uh, yield to his request, demand. So what happened was Kasu Brahmanandaridi wrote that thing through, but he stepped down in 1971. There were elections. I believe that Marichanareddy contested the elections as a separate party called Telangana Praja Samiti. Now it is Telangana Rashtra Samiti. See the parallels? Anyway, Marichanareddy contested as a separate party and that party swept the polls in 1971 in the Telangana region. So there was always this thing about Telangana feeling that it was getting a stepmotherly treatment from the erstwhile uh, Andhra Pradesh, whatever it is. So Mari Chanareddy was still waiting in the wings. And when Kasu Brahmanandaredi stepped down, he was succeeded by Mr. P.V. Narsimha Rao. Narsimha Rao was someone who was a straight talking, honest, rare breed, I guess, uh, in those times, chief minister. And he took the Garibi Hatao and the Land Sealing Act Ghoshna that the Congress party had made in its 1971 manifesto to heart. And he set about uh, implementing land sealing reforms in Andhra Pradesh. Well, there was a problem. Why? Because most of the party funders and supporters were huge landowners, especially in the state, the Andhra region. And they were all up in arms against Narsimha Rao. And Indira Gandhi had to finally you know, take him away from Andhra Pradesh, take him to the center and put Bengal Rao in his place. So the point I'm trying to make is Narasimha Rao did succeed in implementing the Land Selling Act to a large extent. Many um, farmers became uh, landowners. Unfortunately, many did not have the money to buy the seeds and the fertilizers and so on and so forth. So there was a small problem after that. But be that as it may, his intentions were right and he managed to take care of uh, the land sealing uh, implementation without involving the students in any way. I'm just giving you some contrast here to make sure you understand that politicians are, they can use the student for the right purpose or the wrong purpose. And in my opinion, BJP could have messaged it better and this would have been a cakewalk.
Now let's take a look at what happened in 1990. But before that, I want to go back to 1979. In 1979, I was a student studying on the Usmania University campus and the capitation fee colleges reared their ugly head in Andhra Pradesh. Essentially, what happened was you had the regular joint entrance examination and through which everybody wrote their exams for engineering seats all over the state. And those who wanted to pay for their education could get the same engineering degree under the same university by paying capitation fees. This is the first time that was introduced. And those who had gone through the rigor of entrance exams were up in the arms, such as myself. And in 1979, this, <laughs> interestingly enough, it was Chennai again, who was the chief minister, except now he was facing the wrath of the students. And this time he managed to shut down the campus for two, three months. Luckily for all of us, we were allowed to take the exam. We did not lose a year. So he learned from his own mistakes, but he was on the wrong side this time or the right side, whichever way you want to take a look at. So this, this got quelled. But my point again and again, students don't fall for all these netas. They'll give you 1,000 rupees, 10,000 rupees, whatever. But when it comes, they will desert you. They are just looking to come to power. 1989, VP Singh comes to power. And there was a trickery in the way he came to power. We all know that VP Singh was a finance minister. And then he was the defense minister in which he uncovered the Beaufort scandal. These are all under Rajiv Gandhi. Rajiv Gandhi was the first time prime minister. He wasn't entirely you know, comfortable the way the bureaucracy moved. In fact, it was P.V. Narsimara who was more or less running that government. But still, uh, Rajiv Gandhi was the one taking the decisions. And oftentimes, they were the wrong decisions. So what ended up happening was VP Singh became some sort of a lightning rod for anti-Rajiv stand. Remember, Rajiv Gandhi got 400 plus seats. This time, Modi has got 300 plus seats. I'll come back to Modi in, after I go through this story and then we'll, we'll analyze what could be happening or what should be happening. Then, so VP Singh uh, comes out of Congress, forms a new party, and that new party is called Janata Dal. And inside that Janata Dal, a big portion of Janata party goes led by Chandrasekhar. So Chandrasekhar, Devi Lal, VP Singh are the faces of the Janata Dal. The Janata Dal managed to somehow uh, cobble together a coalition, in, uh, including from parties in North and South, wherever they could get people. And then there was a point of choosing the prime minister. Who was going to be the prime minister? The contenders were mainly two. One was VP Singh, the other was Chandrasekhar, who had brought a breakaway group of Janata Party and merged it into Janata Dal. Now, there was a bit of a trickery involved here. VP Singh wanted to become Prime Minister, but he also wanted to not uh, have Chandrasekhar become the Prime Minister. So what he does, he stands up in the meeting. The three of them are seated there. VP Singh, Devi Lal and Chandrasekhar. It, this feel, it feels like it was yesterday that it happened. And then VP Singh says that I would like to propose the name of Devi Lal for the Prime Minister. The whole audience is shocked. They were all expecting that the fight was going to be between uh, VP Singh and Chandrasekhar. And, and this was a surprise. Then Devilal stands up and he says, you know, I am a simple man. I really don't want to be prime minister. And I would humbly request this assembled audience to elect VP Singh. And, and Chandrasekhar is shocked. What the heck? I didn't even get a chance to even say my case. And, and that's how VP Singh became prime minister. However, this was a very weak government. VP Singh made 
Mufti Muhammad Saeed as a home minister and was a disaster of its own. The Kashmir exodus happened. And then he started, uh, you know, opposing or trying to phase out Devilal. Devilal wasn't very happy. His, his son's government, I think it was Om Prakash Shautala, his son's government in Haryana got dismissed. So basically there was friction brewing between VP Singh and Devilal. And VP Singh wanted to corner the glory for himself, I think. And that is why he introduced this disastrous Mandal Commission. And the moment that uh, report came out, the country erupted in riots because everybody felt that the reservation system till then was only for the SCs and STs. Suddenly now is including a lot more people and those who are not under any category felt that their likely livelihoods are going to be uh, completely destroyed. In fact, there was one power class student called Rajiv Goswami who tried to self-immolate himself in New Delhi. And he suffered 50% injuries before they managed to put down the douse the fires. But lifelong, he died in 2004, 15 years later. But he suffered from the after effects of that burn injuries, uh, skin injuries, skin burns that he had suffered. But Mandal Commission did uh, get implemented in various ways by different governments at the state level. So today you have this caste-based parties. All this is because of Mr. V.P. Singh. Before that, anybody could stand from anywhere in the country. That person's popularity, his ability to do things for the people is what decided whether he went, he got elected or not. George Fernandez, he's from Karnataka. He used to get elected frequently from Bihar. Can you think of something like that happening now? Heck, you have to be one of the majority caste from this constituency you are standing. Otherwise, you have no hope, barring a few here and there. So anyway, so the long and short of it is that VP Singh really ruined India's fabric and it was up to who? Mr. P.V. Narsimarao back as the prime minister who set about liberalizing the country and India was on the path of uh, liberalization and India actually grew quite fast. Unfortunately, today we are at a crossroads. What is happening? The government introduces something without proper groundwork and their IT cell is pathetic. That's the only word I can say to describe it. I mean, you have to articulate these things. They seem to have some good spokesperson, but those spokespersons should either have their own channels on YouTube and start pushing that out or at least have debates. Bring both sides. You know, you, they should have uh, involved the army veterans who are no longer in the army and have them weigh the pros and cons and do, you know, good amount of uh, legwork and explain to people the benefits of this new scheme and, and then tweak it as we need. So that way what happens is you can look as if you heard all the parties, you took all the good things from all the different suggestions and then you decided to implement it. Certainly I can tell you viewers, the pension system that is there in place in India will not work. There's, there's just too much burden. People are living longer lives. I don't know how many of you know, but most government-based pensions, the pensioner, if that person, the person who worked in the government, once that person dies, it goes to his spouse. Let us say if the spouse also dies, after that one generation, his kin will also be able to enjoy this pension. This is how it is, at least for central government. I don't know if the state governments have a slightly different policy. So the burden of pensions on the government's exchequer is huge, huge. And only, I think, from 2004 or 2000, something like that, they have a matching system where now employees are also putting some money into the pension scheme. But 
the point I'm trying to make is if pension becomes your largest component in any budget, there is no room for the country to put money in the sectors where it is needed most. Thanks for watching. Please like, share and subscribe to this channel and don't forget to click on the bell button for notifications. If you think that this monologue was useful, consider donating to our cause using the super thanks button. Namaskar.